Welcome to Make That Paper, the show where we talk about all the crazy jobs we do to make the cash we need to pursue our artistic dreams. And to buy yourself some official Grinch-themed Reeboks. Those were cool. Yeah. Today, we are talking about the Swarovski slinging situation, or the old tending to teddy bears biz, and the bliss to be found in trafficking high-end menswear. We are your hosts, Jamie Parker Stickle. And Jason Bieber. And in this episode, we are talking to an actress and comedian who, after winning two episodes of Comedy Central's comedy competition game show, Midnight, became a staff writer on the show. Now, she's writing for and frequently appearing on the popular YouTube series, Good Mythical Morning with Rhett and Link. And we are so excited to welcome the very funny, the very talented Emily Fleming and talk about her eating Whoppers. I mean, I love having the roof of my mouth just (laughs) demolished by whoppers but no mythical kitchen the kitchen channel for the show which is like where they it's consists of the four kitcheneers who make all the food for the main channel and for their show and everything in between i mean it's really they, sciencey it's pretty sciencey in there uh yeah and uh it's it's kind of like obsessive level like sciencey stuff it's it's pretty funny i mean i couldn't do what they do that's for sure and that's I guess why they mm-hmm. keep having me back. No fear of encroachment. Because uh, I, I, they asked me, turn on this food processor, and I'm like, don't know how. Don't know how. I see spinning blades, and I realize okay. I'm in the wrong room. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's yeah. For some reason, I keep getting asked to do that, and I don't know how Which to do any of it. I, I think that's great. I think this is good. Let's talk about that for a second, because as a writer and a comedian. And an actress, I mean, you, you've you had parts on like Kimmy, Sch- the unbelievable, unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, which is, is hilarious. But um, how did you end up here in food entertainment? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. know. <laughs> well, I mean, Good Mythical Morning is right. not no. a food channel per se. There's like a lot of, we do a lot of stuff with food and we have a lot of, I think that food is something that, you know, is very engaging for every single human being so it's something that's easy to connect with other people over so it's often like you know popular on the internet and beyond uh but they are not it's not a food channel per se but it's you know right yeah they're good at it (laughs) um but yeah i don't know i think the the mythical kitchen channel is so cool and i hope people all go and, and watch it it's it's like a spinoff of the main channel which watch both there it's amazing but uh i think i i just go wherever people tell me to go pretty much if they're like hey be on camera for this i will probably say yes like i will say yes to just about everything except for like i don't know don't, oh, don't like human centipede me right. or something but like i like i will show up and eat food and talk forever but uh i I started working for Mythical in like 2018 when uh, they had the season 22, which was like a season that was extended. It was like an expanded version of the show, which now we have, we're back to the standard format of what we had. But for a while there, it was like this experimental idea of what they were, they were going to do more episodes. It was just more of everything. So I heard about the job through a couple of different people. Jordan Morris is one of them who you've had on your podcast. He's the best, the lovely, the funniest and guy. Um, lovely, hilarious, awesome book. Bubble, his graphic novel. Got to get it. It's so good. Also, it's so good. The podcast, like I, it's the first scripted podcast I've ever listened to. Me too. Yeah. And then it became, you know, what it is now, which is pretty amazing. And, and uh, rightfully so. But it, yeah. it's, it is one of those stories, and we're going to talk about Emily, don't worry, but it is one of those stories, Jordan's story is one of those things that, like, um, it's a unicorn in the business. Yeah. It's well, a, not it's, more. It, it, I, I mean, like, he started something, I think. Yeah. He started something. I mean, I mean, it's very impressive, and it's aspirational for sure, and he's such a nice human on top of it, so you couldn't... Ask for it to happen to somebody better. 
Yeah, he's also somebody who like, you know, he's always thinking of ways to help out everybody he's worked with. Um, I mean, at least from my experience, but uh, yeah, he and I worked together on At Midnight on Comedy Central and that was like my first writing job ever. I was on the show a few times as a contestant. I won twice, not to brag. <laughs> These people were obliterated and they deserved it. Uh, I You <laughs> owned their asses. Yes. No, it was, it was really fun. But um, yeah, so I got lucky and wrote a packet and I knew a couple people who worked there, a couple writers and... Okay, so you didn't actually just, they didn't just say, oh, you've won twice, now you write for us. No, no, no. <laughs> I've written a packet before. I, like, I was, I am not, like, awesome at packets, I'll say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, had... I feel like I'm getting better. Uh, one of the best things about writing packets for a show that already exists is you know the format and stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But a lot of packet writing is for shows that don't exist yet. Exactly. Yeah. And you're just flying blind. And mm -hmm. so I don't know. I, I you know, I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, but you knew you wanted to write. No. No. Okay. You were um, like, I need to get paid and comedy isn't paying well, when I, I do stand-up. I think this Pretty is may, maybe the part where we, we do a little rewinding and we kind of go back to yeah. the beginning okay. and, and talk about, you know, where where did you get, you know, you got your start. You started in Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah, I was in, I mean, I've done, uh, I've always known that I wanted to be a performer or something in the industry. I'm, I've literally always, I started doing like theater camps and public speaking competitions and mark like mock trial and stuff in middle school and high school. I did forensics, which I know sounds like uh, CSI or something which it's not um it's speaking it's speaking competitions yeah, so. i did forensics as well yeah i know I it's you like two peas in a pod why is i know this is yeah. cool but it's like what the hell is with this glee club stuff where is my forensics show yeah why where, where is the public speaking why does nobody know stuff? about it when i say it and they're like oh so you did like investigative things in high no. school <laughs> no yeah no it drives me nuts having to explain it and I've talked about it on other podcasts and it always gets cut <laughs> because I think not people cutting it forward to tears whenever you talk about it. <laughs> but like, I'm going to give was, you 30 seconds of uncut talking about forensics and then that's I it. Just this entire podcast about forensics and public speaking competitions uh, in middle school and high school and the annoying people that we were doing it. Um, <laughs> Fair. God, I was so into it, dude. Uh, my favorite thing was the judges were always just the parents who were there. Yes. Teachers, faculty. Real. Yeah. It's like not real. Like it's they, not real. I went to state, I went to state in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. We got to stay in a hotel and stuff. It was awesome. <laughs> anyway. So I did those. I was like really into it. Improv to me was not like my thing, but in high school I did audition for the rocket town, uh, Fists of Funk was the name of the funk. Fists of Funk. You I heard just, it here I, first. I haven't said it out loud in so long. Fists uh, of Funk. Jesus. It's so embarrassing. Um, but yeah, we did malls. Um, oh, geez, Which is Jesus. a totally comfortable venue to perform in. Uh, my favorite thing about it was it wasn't necessarily teens that auditioned and who made it through the classes and everything onto the team it was like divorcees in their 30s and 40s oh, oh my, my god and, uh, a 12 year old boy who did a good austin powers impression which is all it takes yeah hey hey so <laughs> you were performing in the mall were you performing by any chance in like the same mall where you were working yeah, I performed oh, in that mall next to the Payless shoe store at Green Hills Galleria. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> oh, you were working at Payless? No. Oh. Uh, I just, the stage was next to the Payless. Oh, okay. Where I performed. Mm -hmm. I worked in that mall. Actually, I, so you all have me kind of like preliminarily tell you a few jobs I've worked, but the, the list is uh, quite extensive and I'm going to do my best to stay on tangent 
Um, but feel free to like we didn't light the fire and just list them all rapid fire. Yeah, yeah. So that mall in Nashville, when I got out of college, I was um, just doing you know everything, everything. I worked at restaurants. I'm very bad at restaurants. Uh, I yeah. I know that everybody says they have ADHD, but I am medicated, diagnosed since childhood. Like I, it's legit, you people. It's, yeah. <laughs> not to say that it's not legit in other cases, but I'm saying it bothers other people. Yeah. <laughs> I understand that because I am legitimately diagnosed to have a panic disorder, and I work to wow. not be on medication for it, but I'm on medication for it. And people are like, I, I get it. I have such bad anxiety, and I'm like, no, bitch. I am under a table having five panic attacks a day if I don't take medicine. Like it doesn't yeah. go away. My favorite thing is how everyone is like, I have. Everyone is like, oh yeah, I totally, I have it too. I think I have it too. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like. You're like, um, yeah, but you've been annoyed by how much I talk in this country. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, and I've spent my life trying to address that. You don't seem to be crippled by anything in this moment. <laughs> um, I am constantly. There is a difference. Are you constantly uncomfortable in your own brain? Are you doing that? Right. Huh? Mm -hmm. Do you have voices that circulate on autoplay and never go away saying you're terrible, yeah. you're terrible, you're terrible, you're terrible? Or did you just do Adderall in college and it felt good? Yeah. And yeah. you just want more of it. Right. Because um, that's what I'm banking on. Uh, but anyway, so I... <laughs> I get her, man. Yeah, sure. I, I get her. There's a difference. I did like Adderall <laughs> in college. Everybody did. Everybody did. And then some of us needed it. And then when they find out you have ADHD, oh boy, here it comes. Yeah. You find out who's your friend. Then hey, so you've got Adderall then, huh? I'm like, no, <laughs> I have time released concerta and it's not <laughs> something you can crush up. Leave me alone. <laughs> um, yeah. No. So I, yeah, I worked in this mall. I was trying to like figure out and, and the, the waiting tables thing boy I wasn't good at it I was fired from a old spaghetti factory after two weeks of working there because I uh they had those huge trays mm. I don't know how servers do this like y'all tip the hell out of your servers like I don't ugh. um but yeah I they had those huge trays that are like yep. the size of a freaking flying saucer and at old spaghetti factory you have to give minestrone soup to everyone everyone gets it everyone also gets uh like neapolitan ice cream which also has like an italian name and i can't remember what it is Sp oh yeah um spumoni 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 i'm like just call it ice cream please uh but yeah spumoni and I mean, so neapolitan is italian is that it is but for some reason like that's what's on all of the cartridges or like on all the boxes when you go to the grocery store but then you go to old spaghetti factory and they change it up on you and you're like jesus I'm looking up spumoni right now just trying to live um but yeah no so that you got to do the minestrone soup uh and you got to bring it out on this huge tray right mm. i may have scalded a nine-year-old birthday party that's oh, tragic party not a person oh, a party oh, a, a whole lot of nine-year-olds oh mm. wow yeah. oh you know what the difference with spumoni is they don't what? do vanilla they do pistachio oh, oh. it's it's uh and yeah. you know what I, that sounds a little a little better actually yeah it really does actually yeah, yeah. okay so so there we go jamie jamie on you old spaghetti factory here we go there is no apparently there's no ye in the there title. ought to be a there yield really should be with an e at the end of old yeah, yeah. i love i like that place it's just that is a very hard job i don't unnecessarily hard i oh, don't yeah. think serving should be that hard serving is very hard and i was demoted from each restaurant i tried it at to hostess and is that demoted i thought that was more powerful oh you make no money and you get no tips it's a demotion but it is also very difficult because <laughs> I would have a lot of in my section and yeah blah, blah, blah. and I yeah. was like where's your section and I didn't understand the tables or the design layout and I was like this is very confusing I can't do this and I it would is. quit yeah that that stuff is 
awful. I and also people, you know, have food allergies. There's a lot of pressure. It's, it's like a lot of pressure. pressure to not poison people mm-hmm. on a regular basis. <laughs> Which is the, it's really the unspoken golden rule of food service. Yeah, don't poison people. Do we have any uh, commercials today? Let's take a quick break and see. That's enough of them. Now back to us. Yeah, and then you're hoping someone will pay you. Yeah, yeah. You're you're just hoping. There's yeah. no guarantee. You're you give them like, everything. You give them all your goods, you all your service. Yeah, you're wearing dance co hmm? grip shoes and like you smell like fried nasty food when you go home it's a thankless job it, and- that, that smell doesn't come out of you you have to uh-huh. throw those clothes away i worked at starbucks for so long that oh, i had boy. to throw the shoes away the clothes and my hair smelled like coffee for at least six months after i stopped working there yeah. it's you gotta you gotta tip these people people like it's i know that and the crazy thing is i think it's i think it's insane that we have to do it I think it's insane that the tipping... Right, they should be paid a fair wage. They should be paid a fair wage. Yeah. But mm-hmm. they should be paid a lot because it is nice to be served. It's very I, nice. I like, would be very I happy love- to just, you know, blanket, like just increase the price of everything by 20% and yeah. then... Pay have, them. And then have a reasonable tip be like, oh, I'm going to give you an extra $5. Yeah, yeah, I don't think some... Yeah, I don't... I think some servers like tips because, you know, sometimes people leave like a hundred dollar tip on like, you know, sure. A $20 meal. Such a weird umbrella of discrimination issues that I yeah. think exist with tipping that make it so inappropriate. Like, I a hundred percent agree. Tipping, anything it, you should be paid a fair wage. And then anything, if people tip on top of that, because it's culture now. Yeah, it's also like, I think after this, I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about talking about the pandemic. Sometimes with YouTube, you have to put a fucking disclaimer on there. And it's like, just so in case, you know, uh, here's Fauci's website. Uh, Don't (laughs) do us. Um, Yeah, exactly. But uh, it's it's insane. These people are like risking their lives and and stuff. and, And we're still doing this, like, maybe, maybe we'll give them a little morsel of something. Like, it's so... Weird. Oh, so when, weird. <laughs> when we were sending Instacart shoppers out onto the front lines to provide yes, food for our families. <laughs> uh-huh. They should be paid so much money. Um, and I think it's the hardest, it's one of the hardest customer service jobs that you can absolutely do. That and I think probably phone operator stuff is gotta be horrible. I, I have not done that. Um, but I hope I never have to. Well, but retail is kind of where I think I thrived in terms of the day job circuit. Um, you did let you listed, I mean, in the mall, you listed, uh, I don't know if it's the same mall, but you listed working at Swarovski Crystals. You did yeah, it in- I worked at two different Swarovskis. Um, I worked at a, well, I also worked at two different stores in the same mall at the same time. Oh, so- like you just going back and forth between. Yes, the UPS guy was very confused, um, <laughs> which was one of my favorite things, was being like, hey, dude, and you'd be like, why are you here? You signed for something two hours ago over there. I'm like, I know. This is when I'd say I had a twin. <laughs> no, that's my twin. Yeah, yeah. Keep I just wear up. all black because that's kind of the standard uh, retail gear. I don't want to get yeah. ahead of ourselves, but I feel like, did you ever get like, two shifts at the same time and have to like do that like that tv no. date thing where you're on a date with two people and you that's just run back and amazing. forth amazing that's an amazing uh i that am idea. like just like every other comedian trying to write sitcoms about the experience but like that is a great like uh way to do it but no i i unfortunately i never did that i was asked so i would have two shifts in the same day like yeah. i would go work the Emily morning takes a lot of bathroom breaks <laughs> yeah <laughs> no it's true yeah i would work like the morning at swarovski crystal and then i would walk over to uh judith bright which was this uh, it still exists in nashville and but it's in like a fabulous kind of house on 12th avenue south which is a place that you go to nashville which everybody does now uh 12th avenue is kind of a nice little strip of little shops and restaurants and things um but Judith Bright, you make the jewelry as well as selling it. Oh. 
So you, you make it or do customers yeah. make it? Well, I worked, the first job I ever had was in estate jewelry. I was like, uh, when I was 15, I was working for this store that still exists in Nashville. You should totally go AJ Martin estate jewelry. I warn you, she will tear you apart. <laughs> okay. Uh, sounds like a thrill. Yeah. She will tear you apart. Uh, but she has the best stuff. <laughs> True. Is that just like, is it like an Ed DeBevix type situation where that's part of the experience of being torn yeah. down? Yes. It's like if, uh, if there was a Seinfeld, like equivalent, like a, to the soup Nazi, yep. this, the jewelry version. Nazi. Um, How yeah. was it to work for She's her? She's Jewish though. So, I mean, not entirely. I don't think she'd appreciate me. Saying. I'm sure the soup Nazi had a little Jewish um, blood too. <laughs> I think, I don't know, but she, um, He's I a cameo. Her. We could ask him. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, no diamond stud earrings, pop a cut for you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, she's amazing. I still, I'll probably hit her up when I come home for the holidays, and sometimes I'll offer to like organize some paperwork or something for. Her. So you uh, go home and you go to your old employers, and you're like, "Hey, I want to work while I'm here." Yeah. What I'll do we got? I'll pick up a shift occasionally like it's the best time of year in retail is christmas oh a hundred percent it's so fun like everybody's busy there's like fun decorations there's like mute i mean the music is a blessing and a curse i think everyone knows but um it's the best you get to wear red lipstick i love it i love that time of year in retail and usually if you're on commission you are making bank like not every store I've worked in does commission. I would love to talk about commission policies. Let's do. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> so Swarovski is one of those places. It's corporate. Um, yeah. You do get benefits like health insurance and all that. But. Which teenagers totally care about. Yeah. So no one but uh, I mean. Right there after corporate. graduating. Yeah. College. Well, 26, you get to stay on your parents' insurance, which is. Thank you, Obama. But like, um, I, when I went to New York, I worked at a different Swarovski store, but in the mall in Tennessee, I was paid $9 an hour. Uh, I was also paid $9. I think I was paid nine fifty at Judith Bright. And I was making, and if the you, if and you, so. if you'd managed to line those shifts up, right, that's 1850 an hour. I mean, no, it's <laughs> yeah, impossible. <laughs> A lot of but, bathroom uh, breaks. It's possible. Yeah. And Tennessee, it's like, even though there is, I think there's no state tax, um, the sales tax will get you in Nashville. Uh, but it'll get you no matter what. But yeah, so getting paid in Nashville for things like that is not as good as doing it in New York or LA. You get like, mm -hmm. it's more competitive in bigger cities, which I think it should be more competitive in Nashville at this point because everybody right. is moving there. Right. And industry is booming so i really hope that employers in nashville are paying your retail employees at least 15 dollars an hour plus commission like this nine dollar an hour thing that i went through please don't do it it's the worst it's not right <laughs> yeah i think when uh, i worked at macy's i got um i worked in cosmetics but i i, I was making nine dollars an hour plus three percent commission for things i sold at our brand if i sold things that were a different brand like i worked for prescriptives if i sold something that was lancome i'd get one percent commission Ooh, i am a lancome bitch if yeah. you want to talk lancome sometimes sorry i got a little distracted once <laughs> um but yeah a time release needs to kick in it's it hasn't uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i'm just like ooh, lancome i really want some of that regenerous serum hundred fifty dollars a bottle how am i gonna get it um yeah but so you sold that and then you could get a, does Lancome give you commission, good commission? Well, it wasn't through the company. Like they pay part of your salary, but it's through Macy's or Nordstrom's. So it's right. their policies. So yeah. So if you sold your own line, you got 3% commission plus your hourly. And if you sold someone else's line, you got 1%. You know, it's like staying in network. You know, that's, yeah, that's true. That's really interesting. A department store stuff is really complicated like i yeah. i've never worked in a department store but i definitely admire um people who work retail in department stores because it you can also piss off people from other departments oh like, yeah because then if you sell something in the shoe department in the lady shoe department 
and then you like go down another floor and you're trying to sell, I mean, you've crossed the line. You've crossed you the line. Like, and if they can check out anywhere, they can go right. check out in the men's department with a ladies thing. And then you don't get the, the sale. You don't right. get the commission. Mm. Because well, there were some, there were some fights in cosmetics because people will want one thing from Lancome, one thing from Estee Lauder and one thing from prescriptive. So you want to be the lucky person they come up to the prescriptive counter and they're like, oh, I need my foundation. So you mix their foundation. Then they're like, but I need a thing from Lancome. And you're like, oh, I can get it for you. And the Lancome girl hears you. And she's like, no, just pass me the foundation and I'll get her mascara. And you're like, mm-mm, I'm going to take her around and get her stuff. And, they're, and the woman's like, no. And the customer's like, I'll just pay separately for each item. And you're like, no, bitch, I got this mm-hmm. big sale. Yes, then yeah. the whole customer is caught in, this in the middle of the crosshair. Why are mom it's and dad bad. fighting? I don't it's, get it. It's bad. Exactly. You get caught in this crossfire thing. I almost took, I was, um, I remember interviewing Jack Spade was my favorite retail job I've ever had. This was in New York. New York. New York. When I went to, so I was working at Swarovski in the mall and then this other jewelry store. I've worked in jewelry, making jewelry, selling jewelry for a long time. But I, uh, I like met this woman who, uh, Melissa, she was like the artistic director for Jack Spade. She was just amazing. I met this woman at like a bar in New York. I was working for a different retail store called Folie Folie, which is a Greek brand with a French name. And uh, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. run with it. I was not having a great time working at that place. And but the ladies who worked there were great. And we would all go out on the company card and get dinner somewhere. Nice. Trying to remember the name of this restaurant. It was so good. It was. I worked in Soho in New York for the most part. So I worked at Swarovski Crystallized after the regular Swarovski store. So the regular Swarovski stores are like there's jewelry. Um, and just so people know, there is rock crystal that is naturally forming in the earth. And then there is crystal. Crystal is glass with lead in it. Okay. Sold for an insane amount of money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Swarovski was mainly like what I learned through all the training about Swarovski is that one of their biggest assets, yes, they kind of have a monopoly on the like crystal thing they're like the most famous one and i believe that they they're swedish it's a swedish brand and uh i believe it's either swiss or swedish oh my i should remember but they built the founder or whatever the family built this machine that is like precision faceting so the sparkle is what is really the big selling point like the clarity and sparkle and light reflection they have like a big business in you know chandeliers and the Oscars has like all Swarovski stuff everywhere. It's like the stuff that reflects the most light, but they also do camera lenses. They do binoculars, telescopes. There's like a whole uh, other realm of like tech crystal that they do. That's cool. And it's really interesting and it's big money. Like they've really got a hold on it. But uh, so then they had this thing that, you know, it's does not exist anymore. I worked at a lot of places that no longer exists. And she's very young. So don't get any ideas. This is how no, fast things close I'm down. Not, though. I think I'm like, I'm in there. Is what I'm, <laughs> I'm not very young. I'm just still here. You know, like, <laughs> like there's, I feel like, you know, I'm at that range on YouTube when they ask like, what's your age range? And there's like 25 to 34 is like, you know, that's the, that's where you're like, I'm still kicking. Mm-hmm. But I've reached I'm 35 so I've reached the 35 to 44 where it's like I'm still here I'm you know I'm still on the internet (laughs) they're they're a little less interested in trying to sell you things yeah and they don't know how to sell me stuff Mm -hmm. right you're you're in my age range and you're gonna go audition to play the mother of someone who's in the 25 to 34 and you're like but I'm 35 who's jacked up mother I would play like I the I've been in auditions I the first audition I had in LA was uh for a commercial where I didn't even have lines they just put me on a blanket with a baby and another woman me and another woman and gave us like some trains little toy trains and then just saw who the baby liked more wow huh who did the baby like more didn't like either one of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and uh, the mom was like one of those crunchy hippie ladies and she's like Skylar Skylar like just like yelling Skylar over and over again and I was just like this is a nightmare this is my nightmare <laughs> why am I doing and this I don't like children I don't want them I don't I like children like I think they should live but sure. like I don't want to play with them I don't you believe in like no kill shelters well, this, that's shelters. interesting that you say that because exactly. one of the jobs you did and loved was working at eat with your bare hands cafe inside the Build-A-Bear store which is yes. little children Everywhere. I don't know if that still exists I think that that I think it was on Fifth Avenue in New York City did you uh, scald any of those children no, but those children gave me strep throat so bad that I got vertigo and fell over in the kitchen. Oh, God. Oh, my God. I remember that. They are gross. Children are gross. Um, yeah, we've got one. We know. Yeah, we have a six-year-old. Oh, so I worked at that Swarovski store. So fun. Uh, didn't pay shit, but I had a good time. And then I moved to New York because I was opening for a stand-up comic. Uh, on the road briefly who was from New York and he kind of just went just do it just do it smart I'll, I'll kind of connect you with people at the creek in the cave which was like a yeah. club that you know there's a lot of things that don't exist anymore because of the pandemic but I guess the creek in the cave is now in Austin Texas um, but it was in New York and it was like a clubhouse for a lot of kind of alt comedians that weren't necessarily like seasoned club comedians we were kind of the more I don't know, newer, more experimental, mm -hmm. um, which I loved that place. And so he kind of told me, you know, just do it. There's people there you can meet. I'll tell people you're coming. I made, I still am friends with so many people from that place. Um, and then I was looking for, I just hit the pavement in Soho when I got there. So I applied to Dash. I remember that. That's like the Kardashian Oh, uh, store. Food. Yeah. Does, is that still around? Did, didn't they close those? I don't those? know. I don't know if it's still around, those. but it was in Soho and I, I applied to American Apparel, of course. It's yep. kind of like, you know, everybody goes for that. Uh, but the Dash store, I just remember going, there's no way they're hiring me. There's like a, a level of stiletto wearing sales girl in New York that mm -hmm. it is competitive. Like you're not, you got to be the, the hottest, thinnest, trendiest girl. And I wasn't going to book that. But I saw this Swarovski store. It was enormous. And it said Swarovski crystallized. It didn't just say Swarovski, which I was like, what is that? And went in. It's enormous. Like there was these, these little, there was a wall. And they called it the wall of light. And it was a wall of just loose crystals. So like you could open a drawer and buy like beads that are Swarovski crystals or like uh, ones that you can glue to stuff or pave ones for people who make jewelry who want to set them and things and then you could buy the like jewelry settings to make your own Swarovski jewelry that's cool it was a pain in the asshole because people did not know how to make their own jewelry so I'm trying to make commission over here but someone's like how do I how <laughs> and then you're like oh my god <laughs> This is a $15 I, sale and I, I got to help someone hot glue a damn crystal into something. Wouldn't you rather come look at an exotic crystal polar bear? Well, yeah, I would make the, uh, I, you had to wear white gloves at Swarovski uh, to handle the crystals. Of course. I, I kind of love a costume. Anytime you got to, you're going to give me something. Sure. More pageantry. Like, absolutely. Let me get the white gloves. And then you'd open <laughs> also the, the little glass doors to open the case to get the crystals would get smudged. So you got to wear those gloves. Um, my favorite thing about the regular Swarovski stores is the figurines because yeah. it absolutely obsolete. Oh. Like that, yeah. that is. Well, obsolete implies that it never had a purpose. Listen, old ladies from our grandma's age, that's, this is something collecting and having just like little nice things. Chachkis. Really that gave them joy and it still yeah. does for a lot of women and some men uh i've learned but yeah you've gotta the thing is it collects dust you gotta like polish it with your little gloves but the amount of money it would cost to get a lilo and stitch swarovski crystal <laughs> figurine god the amount of like care and presentation i'd have to do to be like would you like to see um, Lilo 
or both. Oh, here, let me mm -hmm. bring you over to our, and you'd have to get this Should little- Should I enact uh, the scene between them when yes, he's about to go who, home? <laughs> who's the dom and who's the sub? Just tell me. <laughs> but yeah, it was ridiculous. Uh, I feel like I'm thinking of a very different Lilo and Stitch movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I, I would to pass the time because it wasn't like the hottest store in the Green Hills Mall. Let's be real. Okay. <laughs> it was like uh, I, I had a lot of free time in there. You would have a client book, client books. Boy, I'd get into that. I had a $2 million client book at Jack Spade. I sold $2 million in one year. What? If I was going to work at a store in New York, it'd be a bookstore. I'm just yeah. going to let you know. Like, Jamie's I'm really against making money. No kidding. No, I think also, bookstores in New York make money. Also, that's the subway of retail stores. Like, not the <laughs> food. I'm talking about people live in those stores. Mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> but like, still, the smell of books, if I have to sit in the... It, shit. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, you'd be regular. That's good. Yeah. I would live off, I would live off someone else's that. money. But I don't think... You know, as somebody who travels to New York regularly, not since the pandemic, but because yeah. all, my family, Jason's family's there, like my in-laws, everyone's Lucky there. Yeah. Mm. I don't like shopping in New York. You I find it overwhelming. You just got to not give a shit because they don't. Well, they don't give a shit about you and they don't think no. that you're going to be spending any money and you're just like, can I please get a dressing room or is there a bathroom? And it's like, no, and no. no. We can't help you. No. The bathrooms are usually a hazard also. Oh, like yes. Every time someone's like, can I use a bathroom? I'm like, no. Nope. Like, there are ladders, loose wires, mm -hmm. like a puddle. Mm -hmm. uh, and you have to go through a mine shaft to get to it. Exactly. You, I'm not dealing with, with like, hauling you through a tunnel. No. I, I'm just not doing it. But I do think it's crazy the bathrooms aren't as accessible as they are in, like, like in malls, it's there's bathrooms. There's everywhere. bathrooms everywhere. But in Soho, which is like the kind of like the mall at, in New York, in in my opinion, I know that there's like Midtown where there's a lot of department stores, Lord and Taylor, and all that stuff, and those places have bathrooms. But like Soho really should have more access to some bathrooms. <laughs> right, a hundred percent. But yeah, no, it's it just sucked. I hated telling. I I never worked in a store that had a bathroom that was accessible to to customers, except for Swarovski Crystallized, because there was a restaurant in the back of the store. So this is why this place failed. By the way, it was too cool. Like it was like we had an event space in the. You would walk in the wall of light with all the the beads, and then we had designer made Swarovski jewelry. So Yoko Ono had a little line, <laughs> ugliest fucking line in the whole goddamn store. God wow. bless her. It's God bless art. Her. She's not a jewelry designer. Yeah. It's okay. You, you're, you're an icon. You're a legend. You don't you're have an, to be. Yeah. You're a muse. You're a muse. You're everything. It was just keys. It was just glass keys that were huge and they broke in half at like a moment's notice. But um, nobody bought them. But uh, I'm trying, Jean-Paul Gaultier had a line. Christopher Kane had a line. Christopher Kane was ugh, amazing. Like there was some really cool stuff that was happening in there. And it was always like up and coming. Danny Joe was this really cool jewelry. Just look up Danny Joe. It's really cool. D-A-N-N-I-J-O. Did you get a discount? Do you have any Swarovski crystal floating around oh, your place? I can, you want to see some shit? I've got it. I've got all kinds of Swarovski stuff that is amazing. Um, and I have nowhere to wear it. <laughs> like, why would I just drape myself in crystals and go work at a YouTube show? It makes no sense. I feel like you just answered your own question. Exactly. I know, I know. I do wear a lot of jewelry sometimes. It just feels silly. But I love that I have it. I loan it to my friends. I think all. you could just go into work, call yourself the wall of light. And yeah. 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 But I you do, know what? I also think it's sort of like your 401k. You can like, you know. I do have a Swarovski 401k that I need to convert. It's got $225 in it. Mm -hmm. and, and you have uh, more than that in, in actual stuff. It's true, but I would never sell the Swarovski stuff. I'm going to keep it till I die and leave it to somebody because it's so cool. 
and it is like a betrayal to estate jewelry, which is like, you know, real gems and like stones. So I would wear that Swarovski stuff to the estate jewelry lady. Some, she made fun of me a lot. <laughs> like this god <laughs> bullshit. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's take a quick break. Let's get back to the show. So yeah, you had these designer pieces that were actually really cool. I just but feel like can't. you are in the wrong business. Like the way you're talking about Swarovski. <laughs> oh no, you're so very enthusiastic I about it. I feel like. Well, if you work what at a place happened to comedy enough? when you're <laughs> you like, wait till I talk about menswear. I mean, I'm very passionate <laughs> well, about let's, menswear. Let's get to go menswear. Right to menswear. Yeah, let's so, go. I met this lady. I talked about that earlier. This woman, Melissa, when I was fully, fully a fucking dump. Um, I did get fired from there for throwing a watch at a lady. Uh, Classic retail blunder. I mean, that place was a nightmare. And I don't know if there are brick and mortar stores anymore. I don't care. I will talk trash about Foley Foley forever if you want me to. It was a Greek brand. It used to be big in the 90s internationally. And they watches were kind of the thing they were known for. And the watches were made at one point in Greece. And then they stopped being made in Greece and they were made in China. And we were taught to scratch off this little metal thing that said made in China and sell it to people. And the thing is they were made, I, I was told for $3 a watch, but we were selling them for 300 to $500. Wow. And they broke the minute you left <laughs> and it made people irate. And justifiably so. Sure. So we would have people coming back angry and corporate didn't care. They're in Greece. They don't care. They're 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 just counting their hundred like thousand their thousand percent markup. Exactly. Like Swarovski is an organized operation. They've got locations all over the world, everywhere. They've got a reputation to upkeep. And mm -hmm. it's like if you got a problem, you got someone to talk to on the ladder. Foley was just like, I, I'm pretty sure it was just a, a mob boss operating out of a basement in like, I don't know, <laughs> Staten Island or something, just like telling you to hawk these watches. And uh, yeah, there was a lady who would come in and harass me about a watch from the 90s and just would not quit and wanted me to replace it somehow. We didn't make it anymore. It, it didn't, it wasn't made. She just wanted a brand new one, kept coming in saying she wanted it because this one was broken. And I would try to get it fixed. And corporate was like, it's too expensive to fix this watch. Just give her a gift certificate. And I'm like, this woman does not want your gift certificate. And she thinks I'm the bridge to somehow getting what she wants. And I am the minimum wage, like wrong bitch. <laughs> you could put that on your name tag wrong bitch wrong bitch, wrong bitch. and mm -hmm. like it, so she just would come in and yell at me and uh would not leave it would be like hours i would have to find a way to convince her to leave i would give her gift certificates i would give her discounts on handbags and she just kept coming back and making my life a living hill and eventually i threw a watch at her face uh but not the, not her watch Yes, her watch. Oh, you threw her broken ass 1970s watch at her. Yeah, I threw it at her. And yeah. honestly, I don't know how I didn't get sued. <laughs> but I got fired. Did she I believe? Um, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. I didn't. I left. You so left. Yeah. But um, and I, I was working there, but I met this fascinating woman. Melissa, who like, I don't know where she works now, but I still, she's got a beautiful daughter and all this. I still talked to her on Instagram. Um, but she was in that restaurant where we would all go after work and on the company dime. And she was smoking a cigar. I remember that. And you weren't allowed to smoke in there. Mm. And I was like, who is this lady? This is the coolest lady. Mm -hmm. And, um, I remember getting to know her with the other girls who I worked with. They were going to do like a collaboration with Jack Spade, which is where she worked, which I knew Kate Spade because that store is, that's the handbag every girl wanted yeah. in the 2000s, Coach and Kate Spade. I, I'm familiar with it and I feel like I shouldn't be, but that's how that, prolific I mean, or prevalent. Everywhere. Yeah. But there, this was a menswear version of that store and I was like fascinated by it. And she was like, come work for me. And I remember I got in a black car with her that night 
with a couple of the other girls. We went to another place and I, I like drank with her. She was so cool. I got her card. As soon as I got let go from Foley Foley, um, my <laughs> like ceremonious exit, mm-hmm. um, I just contacted her and she's like, come in next week. And I interviewed at that place. I had never sold menswear. The manager was just this very charismatic guy who was really cool. And he just was like, you're a comedian and that's cool. Um, so when can you start? <laughs> it was just like, I didn't even, and Perfect. so I wasn't good at it. Every other place that I've worked was group commission. This is the commission speech. So group commission oh places like Swarovski mm-hmm. and a lot of other places makes it nearly impossible for a salesperson to get commission because it has to be the entire store meets a quota Mm. instead of the individual. So a lot of times with like, with Jack Spade, it was the individual. I had a sales quota based on how many hours I worked and my hourly wage. There was like a a quota you had to meet. There was like a whole uh, equation I had to learn to figure out if I'd made my quota, but I always made it at Jack Spade. And but at Swarovski and Foley Foley, they gave you a store quota. Like the whole team had to sell this every month. Yeah, I, I was I was there too. Yeah, and then you're splitting the commission. Like they're not even- If you qualify to get it at if all. If you even qualify to get it, which you never did because the quota was so high. Like right. it was impossible to get. And I never got commission at Swarovski. Never, never it's crazy. Won. And Foley Foley, nah. Also, we got robbed a lot. And Foley Foley, uh, yeah, we got robbed a lot. Uh, broken into, there'd be guys who just, like, you pull out the drawer watches, they just take the whole thing and run. Also, this is a crazy story. You know the milk carton kid? Like, like missing kids on milk cartons? The first little boy, the one who made it famous from New York. Oh, yeah. He's from the 90s. I don't remember the kid's name. And they just they just figured that story out like a year ago. It was he was uh, in the- it was 2013, I think. No, no, I think it was 2012 or 2013. I was working at Foley Foley in Soho. There's another store next to it. I can't remember the name. <clears throat> they got a tip from somebody because they didn't know where the, they've never found the kid. Somebody did an anonymous tip that the body was buried. <laughs> beneath our store oh my, oh my god, god. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, i didn't get paid for a week <laughs> while they dug up the basement of my store and the store next door to it didn't find shit <laughs> but <laughs> shortly after the man who did it uh confessed yeah, and he was in a basement. He was a handyman or something, like yeah. a maintenance guy. And it was so. I guess the stores where I worked was like it used to be apartment buildings. It used to be that makes sense in association with where they lived. I don't know, but I just remember showing up to work and being like, "So, uh, I, there might be a body in the store like, under what? under the store under the under the store or whatever." And I'm like, "Okay, uh, do I get?" Do I, I, that's very sad, but also. <laughs> I have to pay my rent in New York. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I paid today? No, I did not get paid. No, um, and you did not make group commission. No. You know, we're talking about these jobs and you're doing comedy at night. Are you auditioning during the day too? Like, yeah. how do you do that? Um, it was actually easier to do it in retail than it ever would have been in like food. Yeah, because retail sure. is like you can take your lunch break, and yeah. the subway was pretty reliable. And luckily, I would work in Soho, and most of the auditions were like in the Lower East Side to Midtown, so I could manage to take my lunch break and run to stuff. That's great. And it was awesome, and they weren't as understanding until I worked in menswear. In menswear, like there was a lot of uh, red tape in jewelry and in women's uh, retail. I don't know why that is. Hmm. Like corporate red tape, like just rules? I don't, 
yeah, there was a lot of rules and every manager I had really followed them to a T and was afraid to kind of bend the rules or push the envelope. And I think there's something there about how, you know, women are treated in the workplace or expectations of women. I'm not entirely sure. I just know that I was friends with the girls at Kate Spade and my life at Jack Spade was incredibly different. Oh Um, yeah. um, I had a great time. (laughs) So uh, also none of the Jack Spade stores exist anymore. So maybe there's something to that, but uh, basically Jack Spade was like, it felt like the Wolf of Wall Street, but for retail, like you hustled, you had books, like you would take clients out for dinner sometimes. I had business cards. I had wow. like, I was running a client book of like celebrities <laughs> and wealthy people. So I'd be like, um, you know, we're having an event at Soho House. Would you, I got to go to Soho House. Like why? Why? It, but, well, just just because that's that's high end men's retail in New like, York. It was crazy, but it wasn't Jack Spade. I would say was like the most accessible high end menswear that there was. It wasn't. It was not Brooks Brothers. It wasn't uh-huh. like super high end. It was Look, like in the middle. That's probably so, the reason they're 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 reaching. They're trying to. They're aspirational. It was aspir. That's a. You know what? You'd be a great salesperson. Aspirational is a word that we used a lot mm-hmm. when you would be like. I'd have guys who were businessmen in suits who had a backpack. This was like my, I could also be mean to people at Jack Spade and make a ton of money. Mm, it was perks. so weird. I don't know how I got away with it. Like um, I would just like a guy would have a backpack and he'd walk in. I'd be like, we're going to get you a new bag. Right. I'm like, mommy, make your lunch. Wow. And this is like, dominatrix shit. Like right. it, they were into it, dude. Of course, that's why <laughs> that is a hugely like, successful yeah, field. Yeah, like, you're wearing a suit. You're wearing a nice suit, sir. Like, you look good, and you've got a backpack. What are you doing? Yeah, they needed you. Can I help you, please? Like, <laughs> just, and so then I'd sell them a bag that was very expensive. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, it had to at least match that nice suit he was rocking. So you were doing well in New York at that time yeah and then they let me go on auditions and at that time I booked like a Gillette campaign and that was the most fun and I got to go to Sundance Film Festival and host like a little Gillette suite and bully men into shaving their beards off and making out with people in a kissing booth wow it was really weird. <laughs> what a promotion. It was very fun, but my boss at Jack Spade was so supportive and really like uh, encouraged me to go for it. You just need one good boss who is supportive and, and it changes your whole career. Why did you move here? I moved here because I booked a commercial with Comcast that brought me here. And I decided to just stay. Because I was like, okay, I got this money from this commercial. I'm going to just stay and do the pilot season thing, see what I can do. And I just did this episode of Netflix, The Characters. Right. And so it was like, okay, I'm kind of riding a little baby wave here, like a tiny baby wave. And um, so came out, did that commercial, got the money from that commercial, hung around for a few months. Uh, I booked um at midnight appearing on at midnight and was able to like use the characters as like a promotional thing like i'm promoting this thing Mm -hmm. to get on it had the best time on there that show is so fun and then got lucky and got asked back to be on it again and then the third time i was on the show uh that's when they told me that they were looking for a writer so you've had an interesting path to writing (laughs) full-time Yeah, which is both the thing, the reason why we started this show, I feel like is, and also I think as a writer, that part of you, you have to have all these experiences to be able to have something to write about. I think that you can just be a good writer without it. But I think in my case, I definitely been, I needed it. And it's awesome. Made me, it's what has made me a better writer. Yeah. Is doing all of this stuff. 
Um, and I'm glad I've done all of it. I'm very glad. And you definitely seem like uh, a person who has found your fascination, not just in the thing that you're trying to do, but in everything that you experience. That, experience, that yeah. is the nicest thing anyone has ever said to me. <laughs> I mean, that. that's like, that's kind of what I, I hope to do forever. Yeah. It's just be eternally fascinated by like everything I do, regardless of what I'm doing. Um, I think that's what everybody wants just to be like, passionate about anything you do yeah. whatever you have in the moment just be really I, into it honestly i wish that was true i think that so many people especially people who are um trying to accomplish or achieve something like the career like the you know artistic or entertainment careers are very dissatisfied with what's right in front of them and can't give it the uh attention or passion that they think they're preserving for their ultimate goal which then they get there and they're like well this is a boring as shit because Hollywood it's, jobs um, can be boring as shit. Every single job, even your dream job, can be a burden. Because the key word is, it's a job. It's work. So no matter what you do, you have to find the fascination, the excitement. Life is suffering, and then we die. <laughs> then we die. Deal. <laughs> so are you? Are nice. you? So right now you're working on um, Good Mythical Morning. I write for. Good Mythical Morning. I appear on Mythical Kitchen. You can check that out as well on YouTube. Um, also, mythicalsociety.com, which is uh, the, like, kind of the Patreon, mm -hmm. the next level of entertainment for Mythical. Um, I'm on a lot of those things. There's Good Mythical Crew, the podcast, where the crew members talk about behind-the-scenes stuff. But also, I have uh, characters... Uh, Dirk and Patty is their names. They're a new metal goth couple um, that have appeared on Food Feuds, which is a reoccurring series through Mythical, um, through Good Mythical Morning. Uh, they have fallen, they, they had a love story throughout the past two years, and we have a wedding special that Aww. is airing on November 29th on Mythical Society. Nice. I would love it if people uh subscribe to that and watched it it's available to all tiers uh first second third level uh members so it is ridiculous jordan is in it uh yes. jordan morris will make an appearance um so yeah that's kind of the thing i i guess i have to plug is that yay <laughs> cool we love that yeah yeah we just uh, want we want to thank you so much for um saying yes <laughs> oh, taking the time. I'm so sorry if it's so rambly and it took two hours, but I've had the best time. And honestly, oh. the 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 thing about being passionate about wherever you are, you kind of lit a fire under my ass to go back to work today. So <laughs> thank you for doing this. <laughs> oh my god what a great episode to kick off our sixth season heck yeah it was it is good to be back oh my god next week we are talking to another super talented super funny oh my god actress you know her as val on the netflix series working moms it's sarah mcvee i like that you gave yourself the ability to say her name when i really should be allowed to say her name because she's my favorite 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 why don't you go ahead and say her name it's sarah mcvee <laughs>